Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Ah, live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of OutlawRadioLive.com. Nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area. Following program produced more or less, sometimes more, sometimes less, by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. What a network it is. Not even 5G, it's a great network. Fact checker Mark C.G. Boyer is putting away the groceries. He'll join us, join us shortly. One of the memorable cinematic events of my life was watching uh, Victor Victoria. At the beginning of that film, you see the actor who uh, also did Burke's Law deliver the line, there's nothing more useless than an old queen with a head cold. That may be words of wisdom from the same man who played Bat Masterson on TV when I was a kid. and some really perverted serial killers and guys who look like lobsters. Then Fred Rosen, who hasn't been on there. Hey, there you are, Fred. How you doing? <laughs> You're funny. Yes, I'm doing fine. How are you, girl? Better and better. I almost uh, died a week ago, but I'm back again. I'm hard. Whoa, 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 whoa. You almost what? Uh, that happens uh, about every year, a couple times a year. Uh, something happens. <laughs> But uh, we won't go uh, into that now. I'm fine. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, not to get political, but I'll, we'll get a new president who will get better. Yeah. I, I don't have the uh, corona uh, six-pack virus, I, I'm happy to say. Uh, Burl, Burl, thank yeah. you, my friend, for giving me that segue. Because yeah. I'm in Florida. Oh, you are? <laughs> You're probably wearing five masks. <laughs> well, I I, I got to tell you, I, I actually went and got the test. Yeah, did you pass? Oh yeah, man, I'm 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 cool. Nothing. Good, good. I, and I, I this is for, this is the first time I'm talking about this publicly, but I'm glad we're talking. You know, and <laughs> glad we're alive to talk, right? Um, I went to visit my daughter in New York State, and I was on a plane with uh, a lot of people. So that's the reason I did the test. That makes you sense. Know, I wanted to make sure. And it, as it turned out, it, I was surprised at how easy it was to get it done once I got the right information. You know, like originally, I mean, my doctor had given me a prescription. Yeah. And I, I went to a clinic, but they were too they were too busy. So I wound up going to the uh, the county, and they gave me the reference and so forth, and I did it. Everything is cool. Well, that's good. I would. That's very wise thinking on your part to get tested after being on a, a crowded airplane with probably little or no social distancing and 
In hardly social students. Oh, it, it was very interesting uh, to see people on the plane. And I was, I actually had a middle seat on one of the flights. But it, what was interesting was not everybody put the mask over their nose. Yeah, that's a problem. If I put the mask over my nose, uh, I, I, I'm one of those people, I got COPD. It's very hard for me to breathe anyway. So uh, you, you got COPD? Yeah, I'm very fortunate to have it. I, uh, <laughs> not everyone can get those, you know, those COPDs. But uh, I've, got, I've got that, and it's just a thrill. COPD stands yes. for? Chronic, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And there's somebody else that I know who has. Yeah, you wind up uh, using a lot of rescue inhalers and uh, smoking Paul, menthols. Paul, <laughs> Paul Peterson has it. Paul Peterson? Yeah, from the Donna Reed show. Yeah, yeah. He, he, and I met him on a child star cruise back in December. Were you a child star? No, I, I, I just helped organize it. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, who who was there besides guy. Paul Peterson? Huh? Who, was, who else was on the, the child cruise between, besides Paul Peterson? Tony Dow. Yeah. Hey, Beef. Um, Tony Dow. Jerry Matthews. Oh, yeah, had the Beaver and uh, the Beaver, Beaver's brother. Uh, Stanley Livingston. Really? He's alive? Stan? He's in great shape, and he's a great guy. And the other person, I'll tell you who really, uh, we're in the same generation, Kathy Garber. Ooh, remind us who Kathy Garber is or was. She was sissy on Family Affair. Oh, I missed that one. Uh, it, that, that was mid-60s, whatever. Was is that the full list of the uh, child stars that were laughing it up? Uh, on the cruise, yes. Uh, though, and one of the person I really like, Allison Arngrim. Oh, the Thor Utter. No, Thor Arngrim is the father uh, of uh, the Little House on the Prairie Lady. And uh, her brother uh, was in, uh, uh, what is it? Land uh, of the Giants. Land of the Giants, that's right. And he was well, managed by the uh, Saul Bernstein, whatever talent agency here in L.A. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll turn it back. To true crime, my friend, because she writes in her memoir that that Stephen Ongrim, a brother, incested her. And I got to tell you, I found it very upsetting. So did she. It, it was just... Jean Barry, that's right. You know what? What? What's really interesting. You know, you don't know these things until they happen. Yeah. That show was so popular... And I'll talk more about that. But Gene Barry did a miniseries. One of the gambler movies with, uh, what's his name? Oh, I, yeah, Kenny Rogers. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, everyone was in those. Uh, Jack Kelly, uh, Cheyenne Bodie. Oh, you remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Gene also did... A, this was an interesting one. Uh, he, he did a um, two-part episode of a TV series called, um, oh, come on, Fred. Lee Horsley was a Western. And uh, he plays that Masterson. And uh, um, Guns of Paradise, that's the name of the show. Guns and it's of like Paradise. a special episode. But the kicker to the story is that who plays Wyatt Earp? You O'Brien. Really? Oh, I love that. That's great. 
I love it when that, well, that happens, when they do that. Well, one of the things I discovered when I, re- when I worked up, when I was researching Fat Masterson, the first dreamer, is the TV series that some of us in certain, of a certain age will watch, like us. Right. Okay, we didn't know this. That show was, number one, it was based on a fictional uh, biography of Earth written by Stuart Lake, who also uh, became the technical advisor on that show. In other words, I've never talked about this publicly. Well, do it now. <laughs> it is a true crime. Most of it was a bunch. Most of it was a bunch of crap. And he was the technical the advisor on crap. Yeah, but the interesting part was... The reason Lake wrote the bio with her was, you know, we, we, we don't get this, I think. You know, years the, the fact is, in the early part of the 20th century, when Bat Masterson was a reporter for the New York Morning Telegraph, one of his colleagues on another paper was this Stuart Lake guy. Mm. And he told them all about Earp. And, he, and and that's how this dice Lake wound up later on going out to California and writing her bio. But the mere fact that, man, we're talking about 1906, 1907, and, and the Wyatt Earp show was, I think, 1955. And there's a guy that overlaps, overlaps in this guy Lake. You know, nobody told us this, Pearl. No, they, uh, they didn't tell me. <laughs> well, let me tell you why I wanted to write this book Please. about her, about Matt Masterson, or about Masterson. I've been wanting to write a book about Matt Masterson for 40 years. Really? And I, there was always something about the guy that I felt there was something missing. I don't know what it was just a feeling, you know. Another, you know. Yeah, there's just some things that resonate with you at a point in your life, and they don't let you go. Well, and you and, and, and you and I are true crime authors. Not not to mention the fact you know the saint. Yeah, that's that's, that's the analogy I was thinking in my head. You know, <laughs> I, I got well, hooked on that and wound up writing it. You know, strange yeah, life. But, but but here's the thing. When I started researching Masterson, originally I tried writing a, a novel. When I was in film school, I wrote a screenplay. But when I started researching a nonfiction book about four or five years ago, I kept going with the research because I felt there was something missing. You know, you know. Again, you're a detective like I am. You get it. And eventually, I was able to find out what was missing. What was missing? He says with bated breath. The guy wasn't an American. Ah, that was a secret. He had a secret. 
He was an illegal hey. immigrant. You got it. And what did they and do to illegal immigrants in those days? Say it again. What? Well, the interesting thing about illegal immigrants, I mean, and that's why the book is called Bat Masters and the First Rainbow. But the reason, the thing is, immigration laws, they have changed continually in our history. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, but people don't get that, bro. Well, well you have the you Chinese know? exclusion policy. <laughs> All of a oh, sudden, the yeah. Chinese were gone, and you—if you were Chinese, you couldn't—you couldn't become a citizen. You couldn't well become an American. You know what? I'll tell you. Not only that, at one point, because I got into this, it's all in the book. At one point, there was a ban on epileptics. Epileptics could not come into the United States. And I also discovered why I, 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 I am lucky to be an American and be alive. Because in the 1920s, my dad came here in 1928. Okay? Yeah. Well, it turns out the president at that point had put a ban, uh, a, a limit on the amount of people that could come from Eastern Europe. Right. Luckily, my dad came here. I mean, if that didn't happen, he would have died in a concentration camp, and I'm not having a conversation with you. Yeah, through a Ouija board, we'd have this conversation. Exactly. But, so it was very interesting. Now, and here's the true crime element of the book. As opposed to the TV series, which, again, you and I grew up with. Right. There were actually seven murders, homicides, that Bat Masterson was involved in. Oh, that will tarnish his reputation. Wait, wait, wait. And listen to this. The, the, the murders, the one that really got me, and I, I will tell you that I really push it a lot in the book. Okay. What? Do you remember a movie uh, called, uh, oh, come on, Fred, uh, Montgomery Cliff? What's it called? Uh, Montgomery uh, Cliff. Right. Elizabeth Taylor and Shelley Winters. What, which one is that, Mark? Uh, I, I got I to look it up. Um, Montgomery Cliff, Elizabeth. Place in the Sun. Place in the Sun. Thank you. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker, comes through again. Let me t thank you, sir. Let me tell you something. That was based on a novel. Who it was based on, but in reality, it was, it was the first time this murder, or alleged murder, they used the term New York State. And what did I do? I mean, the, the, in researching it, Basically, what happens is the reality 
a guy named Chester Gillette allegedly murders his fiance Grace Brown because she's pregnant and he doesn't want a kid. Oh, that's efficient. Well, who winds up covering the case for the New York Morning Telegraph? That's what got me. That Masterson. That covers the case. Does it, what is you it? Know? What did he figure out? What, the guy murdered well, him with a tennis racket? He figured out that what really happened, as opposed to Gillette, a.k.a. Monty Cliff, trying to um, drown the woman, he figured out that the woman, she'd already written about suicide. She went in to drink on her own. There were no bruises or anything. Madison was a smart guy. Well, obviously, I mean, he's a smart guy. Well, but, you know, yeah, but it, 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 the thing is, he was driven by a um, an overwhelming impulse to always stand up for the underdog. That's probably because, well, I don't know which came first, the underdog or the egg, because he felt as one, being as he had to keep this secret, that he was uh, in this country in violation of immigration policy. Exactly. The, ter exactly. the term illegal immigrants always bothered me because it sounds like they're doing something criminal. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, that, that propelled me forward on this book, you know, the, the illegal immigration situation. The last thing, Burl... Well, uh, hold on just a second. There, there are some people here in the room who are saying, well, they, they are illegal, but from what I... Illegal. But, yes, the question is, is that only after it's been educated as to why they are here or why they crossed is it determined whether they are or not. What, what do you mean? Is it determined by whom? Yes, and it's determined on a case-by-case -case basis. Oh, yeah. That's true, isn't it, uh, sir? Always. Always, yes. That's why there's not what you call precedence or standard laws. First, it's considered a violation of policy, and after the investigation, they decide whether it was uh, illegal or simply a policy position. Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the, but I got to tell you, the last thing in the world I expected, see, up until uh, late last year, uh, dreamers were in the headlines. Well, the next thing you know, uh, you know, you've got the impeachment and the coronavirus. So in terms of publicity. It fell the, off the page. Yeah. Yeah, the news cycle has shrunk <laughs> from when we were really we young. It's unbelievable. Well, it was great for distraction. You know, uh, yeah. in fact, I mentioned this in my forthcoming book, Sealing Manhattan, that uh, the crimes of uh, Ken Urell has been on the show about three times. The crimes of Ken Urell and Michael Dow, the crooked cops in the NYPD, they kicked... Uh, my buddy, the gem thief, the diamond thief, off the front page because it was a new news cycle when they got busted, and then they okay. got and then they got kicked off the front page by uh, uh, when uh, what's her name, uh, 
Uh, Butterfuco got shot in the head. What was yeah. that? Mark's, uh... Uh, Bat got into a lot of trouble uh, covering that trial. Want to talk about that, please? Did you hear that? No. Bat got into a lot of trouble covering that trial. What kind of trouble did, did he get into? Who didn't? Bat Masterson got in trouble. Oh, yeah. Well, what happened was when he covered the trial of the century. Oh, you're going to love this, Pearl. And thank you. Uh, the, the judge held him in contempt of court because Bat wrote an article, New Style Lynch Law in Upstate New York. And I, I got the article in the book. I made sure, Pearl, to put Masterson's full articles in. Because, you know, nobody else had done this. And I felt it was necessary for historical reasons and dramatic reasons. But anyway, he was held in contempt of court. And well, well, why was he held in contempt of court? Because of what he wrote in the newspaper? Yes, and, 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 and of course, it, it, it would never hold up. It's, you know, First Amendment. Oh, yeah. But he didn't need any, any um, you know, the controversy. The newspaper just decided they paid a $50 fine. That was for the case to get to the Supreme Court. And that's what happened. Did it go all the way to the Supreme Court? No, no. Because but that, would, that would happen. No, it didn't go to the Supreme Court. They just paid the fine. However, Masterson, in the early teens, and remember, again, he's in Manhattan. That's the thing. You know, you got to grasp that. That's a hard one to grasp. You know, this, this guy. You know, I, I, I cracked up, by the way, when I found out he visited Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, girl. <laughs> Bad Masters is from Brooklyn. Well, the gene is. But anyway, um, Masterson sued a newspaper for a libel. And who did the newspaper get for their attorney? And it's all in the book. Benjamin Cardoza, what the Jewish, he would become associate justice of the Supreme Court, and he he defended the newspaper, and some guy who was a fight manager didn't like something Masterson had written. And he claimed that Hanson made his reputation shooting Mexicans <laughs> and Indians in the back. And the funny thing is, during Cardozo's cross-examination, and he talked about Hanson's experiences as an Indian fighter. I mean, this is, you know, we're talking unbelievable stuff here. He was an Indian fighter. Well, he, he asked. Cardoza under oath asked Masterson, how many Indians did you kill? Masterson goes, I don't know. I wasn't keeping count. Hmm. 
I shouldn't, it shouldn't be held against me if none of them die. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's funny. The guy had a quick wit. Oh, man. Now, how did he wind up in the USA? He was Canadian-born. Of course, in those days, the borders were very poor, so you didn't really have very many immigration laws, per se. I was just... I didn't wind up, I didn't wind up over here. Yeah. How did Bad Max... Simple. Simple. In those days, we're talking about... Uh, it was the late 1850s. He was old, eight years old. His parents came from Quebec, and they, 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 but the border, you didn't know where the border was. It was open. Mm-hmm. And our government encouraged it, especially because we needed people to settle the Western United States. And that's what happened with them. They wound up coming here. They lived for a while, I still can't believe it, in upstate New York. And then they went west, eventually wound up in Kansas, which is where Matheson eventually makes his reputation as an Indian fighter and a buffalo hunter. One of the things I talk about, by the way, um, is, okay, his nickname, his real name, you lost me on that last sentence. What was that? His real name. Yeah, was Moishe. William Bartholomew Masterson. But a lot of people think that the reason it has the nickname of Bat is because he would bat people with a cane. Yeah. Not true. I didn't think so. <laughs> What happened was, yes, he used, the reason he used the cane, he'd been shot, been shot in the pelvis. Ouch. So he needed help, you know, sometimes walking around. But he was such a great shot that he was given the nickname, he was a, 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 a very famous hunter that was called Old Bat. And because of Masterson's tremendous hunting abilities, they just call them bad. Oh, that's it. That's like Giska, the uh, Serbian uh, criminal, <laughs> who was called Giska because that was the name of a bear in the zoo. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 and and you know, getting in, getting behind the legend was the biggest um, thing. Because yeah, once once you have erroneous information. Accepted as historical fact, people keep quoting uh, the error. Oh my God, are you right? When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. How about that quote? Yeah. Now I was reading an article about uh, about this about this guy's dad. Uh, his okay, the this woman is pregnant with a kid. She's from Scotland. Her husband is already in uh, uh, Detroit. She wants the baby born in the USA. Before she could cross the border, she goes into labor and has the baby in Canada. 
Well, this screws up the plan. So what she decides is baby hasn't been born yet. Sticks the baby in the satchel, uh, crosses the border in the United States, gets to Detroit, and tells her husband, guess what, I'm having a baby, and opens the satchel and pulls the baby out. And the baby was duly registered as an American citizen. You know what? The thing I also would like to mention is it would have been very easy for me to take shots at Trump, but I didn't. I, I kept my objectivity because that's important. You know, you know what I'm saying. We're writing history. Yep. And so, I, and again, when you read about it, 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 it gets to you. You mentioned the Chinese Exclusion Act, and, you know, the list goes on and on. Well, yeah, you know, you know what overturned the Chinese Exclusion Act? Leslie Charters, creator of the saint, was half Chinese, and he wanted to become I a U.S. citizen. I didn't know that. Yeah, he wanted to become a U.S. citizen, and he couldn't because he was half Chinese. Well, he was very famous at that by that time, and so the United States government quickly modified the immigration laws, policies, whatever, so that did, he, could become, did, he could become an American citizen. Did you know what, Roger Moore... Uh, no, but as I've told the story before, uh, I took my son to the video story, read three Roger Moore videos. We came home, and the light's blinking on the answering machine. He hits the button, and, hi, this is Roger Moore calling for Burl Bear. You <laughs> 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 should have seen my look on my kid's face. Uh, though I never met Roger. Uh, Ian Ogilvie, we've had here on the show several times. The guy who plays you, you know what? You know what's so funny about Roger Moore that I find funny? What's that? He played Bo Maverick. Oh, yes, yes. You know, and I was a big fan of his, just saying it. I was a big fan. And you know what? I don't know why, but we don't see movie stars like that anymore. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I yeah. Bradley Cooper before. almost did, almost hit that status. What's uh, that? Bradley Cooper uh, almost oh. hit that status. Here's Brosnan. They become bigger than any part they play. Yeah. You know that uh, John Wayne uh, never liked True Grit? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he he, he despised his co-stars. <laughs> Thought well, it was that Glenn Campbell? Yeah, Glenn wait, Campbell wait, wait, wait. and uh, what's-her-name who played the girl. He thought the casting was wrong. Uh, he'd get in fights with the director, uh, and he didn't think the movie was really... All that hot. Wait, wait, Glenn Campbell. <laughs> and, uh, now you, now you. Was it the Arby? It was who? Who was the girl? The Arby something? Oh, God, uh, uh, I know who it is. I'm glad you uh, do. I'll, I'll, I'll come up with it. Hang on. Uh, that, that's. Oh, what's her name? Come on, Fred. True Grit, original movie. True Grit includes True Grit, Rooster Cogburn, and True Grit, a further adventure. There we go. Kim Darby. Yes, yes. That's it. I Kim that's Darby. It. Yeah, Wayne thought Kim Darby was wrong casting. Thought Glenn Campbell was wrong casting. Of course, the reason they cast Campbell so they could have the theme song to the film. You got to have true grit. <laughs> yeah, but I'm looking. I'm looking at the rest of the cast. Listen to the rest of the cast. All right, I've been listening. Robert Duvall, Dennis Hopper, Brother Martin. Oh. He's in everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. What we have here is a failure. 
to complete the show. <laughs> anyway, they won the Academy Award for it. Uh, no, he won it for Rooster Cogburn. Uh, he ran it for Rooster Cogburn, but the film True Grip must have won something. Something. You talking about John, John Wayne winning yeah. an Oscar? Yeah, yeah, John won it for uh, Rooster Cogburn, didn't he? I thought he won I'm it for look, I'm looking it up. John Wayne Oscar. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, honestly, I was not a big John Wayne fan. Oh. Okay. Um, I, I can't, uh, anytime it's on... In Harm's Way. I love that movie. Well, everybody's in that. Otto Preminger. Uh, Otto Preminger. Well, that's the one where they had to tie Burgess Meredith's hands behind his back. Oh, why? He was great. Yeah, that's because he kept stealing scenes from everybody by doing things with his hands to divert your eyes from the other actor ah, to I never him. I that. And so Preminger finally took his hands, put them behind his back, and tied them together <laughs> for a particular scene. My, uh, <laughs> my late cousin Tom uh, Bartholomew, uh, Bart they called him, Worked on that film and told me that story. See what a small world it is? Uh, oh, here's another piece of trivia for you, as long as we're on the subject of uh, Bat Masterson. Uh, okay. And the Warner Brothers, like Maverick, Cheyenne, all that, there were two actors who played, I believe, Bat Masterson. One was Gerald Moore, and the other was yeah. Adam West. Now, when Adam West... Adam Adam West went on to play Batman, but while he was still under contract to Warner's doing the westerns, he was stooping my sister. Wow. Really? Now that's now that's show like business. Fun. Yeah, he was from Prescott, Washington, um, and he was dating my sister, who of course was in Walla Walla, Washington. Uh, well, I, I guess I should mention this since you brought it up. Warner Brothers Western. I'm friends with Will Hutchins, who played Sugarfoot. Yeah. What about Will? A really nice guy and a terrific writer, by the way, Earl. But he, he's never, he's actually, he does an online column called westernclippings.com, but he, he's never been paid. But what a nice guy. Oh, yeah, I met him on the uh, set of Maverick. He was there, but they didn't actually put him on camera. They had you know, everybody else, practically, you know, for the Western world. Uh, in that movie, in the uh, big poker scene. Yeah, um, I saw that. I saw that you did that book. Yeah, that was fun to do. It looks like it would have been a lot of fun. Oh, great fun. <laughs> I guess it with, uh, what's his name? James Coburn was great. Uh, he told me some all sorts of interesting stuff. And, of course, uh, James Garner was fabulous. Mel was super nice. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go so fast. All right. Did you hang out with, with James Garner? Yes, well, of course I did. Think I'm nuts? Of course, I spent a lot of time with Jim, as we called him. And you tell you how much that guy loves show business, or loves show business. You know, I, I watch old episodes of What's My Line, Girl, to see what I missed when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was watching an episode from the early 60s and uh, Garner was on. Uh, he, he he was plugging the Americanization of Emily. Right, that was his first big film after he uh, left Maverick. Yeah, but I love the fact that even after he's plugging that film, John Daly said he, he referred to him as Brett Maverick. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 
Well, interesting. Yeah. When when we when we did Maverick the, the movie with Garner and uh, Gibson and, and all, uh, oh, when he was well, all yeah. done, when Garner was all done, shot his final scene. You know what he did? Didn't leave. He came and sat on the floor of the soundstage with a styrofoam cup, two styrofoam cups, one with coffee, one with to put his ashes in from his Marlboro Light cigarettes. And he just sat there, and he turned to me and he says, I just love watching him make movies. I just, wow. I'll sit here all day long. By the way, he, he's written about this. I didn't know this until I read it recently. He loves smoking weed. I'm not surprised. Probably for the pain in his knees. Exactly. Hey, I guess it. If you watch the movie Maverick, there's a scene where they they sneak up on the guys who would rob the wagon train and the guys wear their dress or whatever. <laughs> they're, they're leading their horses and they tie them up. There's a little bit of dialogue. Well, they were shooting that at night on Warner's back lot. And every time Richard Donner, the director, yelled, cut, wanted him to do it again, Garner would signal me, and I would run out, and he would lean on me to walk over and sit down until they're ready to shoot again. He couldn't even, when he tried to walk, the pain in his knees was so severe, but he's told me, he says, the weirdest thing, he says, when the cameras are rolling, my knees don't hurt. The minute Donner yells, cut, I almost collapse. That's why I need you there to catch me. He says, don't wait, tell. Wait, He says, don't. Uh, the moose. Go ahead. Did Donna, did Donna directed that movie? Yeah. You know what other movies he directed? Superman. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so he says, don't tell Mel I don't want to bother Mel with this. Well, B.S., I went to Mel and I said, hey, Mel, I said, uh, Jim's in a lot of pain with his knees and he's having to keep reshooting re this. And so Mel looks at me, looks at Jim. Jim says, no, I, I've told Mel this. He says, Burl, you want to see me do some acting? And I said, sure, Mel, what are you going to do? He says, watch this. And he threw a most convincing fit of petulant stardom, how he was fed up and he was going to his trailer and they might as well call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> and he did that so Garter wouldn't have to get up and walk around again. Uh, <laughs> it was great. I, I like the, the scene near the beginning of the movie where... Um, his uh, lethal weapon partner oh, yeah. is a, 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 a criminal, and he pulls down the, the mask to look at him. And the, I that was really cute. <laughs> yeah, a lot of self-reference. Oh, Danny Glover. Yeah, Danny Glover. His brother. Oh, Danny Glover. His brother was uh, worked on the uh, the film and the technical aspect. Um, I, yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, we're all. Was the thing as you was mentioning about Sugarfoot, Will Hutchins, and uh, he was there, but not on uh, not on screen. Everybody else practically was. Uh, when uh, Roger Moore, getting back to him for a minute, when Roger Moore left Maverick and went back to England, he said if the uh, if they were using uh, if they had the kind of scripts like they did for uh, Shady Deal and Sunny Acres, he said he would have stayed. But they were uh, uh, doing a lot of uh, uh, redoing 77 Sunset Strip episodes as westerns. And you can tell which ones those are because it'll say screenplay by W. Hermanos, which is Warner Brothers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so W. Hermanos was very prolific. Fascinating. <laughs> so, um, so you, you, you spent, you spent a, a career thinking about and researching this book. 
Um, and you've discovered quite a few things. Uh, is there anything in particular that stands out as, holy cow, I didn't know that? You mean mattress in my yes. Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. Um, I'll tell you one thing that stands out. Well, and I think it's the reason when I discovered this in the 70s, I don't know how I found this out, but I discovered it. Manson, this is hilarious. He was the deputy marshal for the Southern District of New York. In other words, that Masterson was the deputy marshal of Manhattan, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. And so, and he was appointed by his friend, Theodore Roosevelt. And when he covered the case, uh, the murder case I mentioned that became the trial of the century, and again gave me a really big chunk of, of, uh, of stuff in the book. Um, he, um, he really, um, he, he tried to be, you know, as a reporter, he tried to be objective, of course, but something happened when the, the jury goes out, can't make this stuff up, but it's New York, which is incredible. The jury goes out to consider Chester Gillette's innocence or guilt. What and, and what what forms outside a lynch mob? Mm. They're ready to lynch Gillette if he's not found guilty, which of course affects the verdict. Because the jurors know if they don't convict them, they're in trouble, and that. And again, the, 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 the amazing thing to me is here we are in a, a, a real-life situation where a lynch mob could form, and there's Bat Masterson covering it for his newspaper, but he's also the deputy federal marshal, and he's packing heat. So even though, you know, they, they wanted to try something, there was no way they'd get away with it. Now a master's in there. That is amazing to me. Well, <clears throat> I, think, <clears throat> I think him turning down, uh, turning down being state marshal uh, is also uh, quite fascinating. Well, uh, why turned, did he turn it down? He turned down... T.R. Theodore Roosevelt wanted to appoint him as the federal marshal for Oklahoma. And that, he asked him, he claimed the reason he wouldn't take the job is because of his reputation. People would try to, you know, kids would come at him, you know, to shoot him and so forth. But the real reason, and I, I have to research this one, Earl. Yeah. A federal marshal <clears throat> has to go before the Senate for confirmation. 
he knew if he did that, they they'd find out that that he he was a Canadian. Ah. So he turned that down, and eventually, that's when T.R. gave him the job as deputy federal marshal. It's a good and deal. I'll, 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 what, what you know is who you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's, again, that's what the reason. The reason for Masterson, and I go into detail with this in the book. His publisher. New TR. And so he recommended that TR initially. Well, you know what? You know what? You're fascinating. You're fun. You're informative. And you're a man who used to have a lot of hair when I first met you. <laughs> so it's Bat Masterson, <laughs> The First, first dreamer. dreamer by Fred Rogan. Fred Check Rogan. it out. As nice Burl says, relieve, read it, and believe it. That's right. Fred, thanks for coming on. Be Thank you. The book is available at Amazon.com. Take and, care, guys. Hey, yeah. thanks for coming. Buy him. Buy all of his books right away. <laughs> hey, Pearl. Yeah. What's next? Magic Bad Allen of the Demons of Decadence Live from the Light of Lounge at LRadioLive.com. Out. Oh.